we become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit if she wished. Mine! It's with the ancestors! I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here? Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and yes, it's true, this man has no dick. And there is no Colin Trucker, only Zool. <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> and you're just like hovering above the bed. <laughs> hovering and panting. <laughs> oh my gosh. This movie, that stressed me out, that panting. I was like, yeah. she is, she's committed. She is, she is Sigourney fucking Weaver. She is giving it the full Sigourney in that moment. Truly, I mean, her hair is her hair is practically a character in this movie. It's so good. I love uh, it. I mean, this is like a look on Drag Race that I am waiting for, ready for. I need someone who's specifically serving you, Dana Barrett as Zool. <laughs> yes, it would be like an I Love the Eighties runway, and everyone's like in eighties oh. gear, and like some some queen would just come out as Dana Barrett, and that would be my winner absolutely because i feel like you'd get like a molly ringwald and pretty in pink you'd probably get madonna and desperately seeking susan but i want to get like especially someone being like i just feel like we need to bring the name sigourney weaver to drag race yeah or annie potts at the very least oh my god (laughs) if somebody talked about annie potts on drag race i don't know what i would do I mean, talk about crossing the streams. The, this is crossing the streams of things I love. I know. It, uh, maybe like a drag queen, a drag king named like Danny Potts would be. A oh, great, that'd be a great drag name. You know, I if I, I feel like if I can rely on anyone to make an Annie Potts reference on Drag Race, it's going to be a drag king. Something tells me yeah. that's I, you, you got to figure out who appreciates Annie Potts, you know, and yeah. I think there's some lesbian out there who binged all of any day now on Lifetime (laughs) and is to say nothing of designing women. But let's let's really go for the deep cuts. Do you remember any day now? No, it sounds familiar, though. So I familiar. I always kind of confuse it with Strong Medicine, which is, I think, the doctor show with Patricia Richardson. Uh, oh my gosh. But I think it was on at the same time. Any day now was Annie Potts and Lorraine Toussaint, who. I remember that she was in Dangerous Minds, who we talked about recently on All Right, Mary, but she was oh, okay. uh, she was in a season of Orange is the New Black um, and obviously a ton of other stuff. But they play two friends. One is black, one is white, and they recall their friendship in the past when they reunite in the present. So I assume every episode they get together and they're like, do you remember? And then it gets like blurry and then we go to the past. Oh, that's kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe not. That's That could be kind of repetitive. I mean, it lasted like 88 episodes. So I feel like after a while, I'd be like, hey, is there a different way we could start an episode? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we need to do the BSAs of any day now. 
<laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Any gay now. Any gay now. Any gay now. The any day now recap podcast by two <laughs> <Yeah>. gay men. <laughs> like, uh, was that like Gilmore guys or Gilmore gays? Yes. But yes. We're, we're going to yes. start any gay now. <laughs> it's going to be a hit. Oh, my God. That would be like seven people. Seven people, two and a half of them being us, would listen to yeah. an any day now recap podcast. I love it. I think it'd be great. We could get Annie. Oh my God! Do you think? Do you think we could get Annie on the pod? I'm sure. What is she up to these days? Who knows? Well, let's take a look because I I did I did look to see if we had ever talked about her before, and we have not. Um, most recently, well, he, this this blew my mind. So go with me here. Uh, I I'm assuming she's still on it, but currently the show Young Sheldon, which is a has been running at least since 2017, um, which is shocking to me. She plays the grandma on that shape. She plays Connie, Meemaw, Tucker. I think that I knew that somewhere in my mind. I couldn't like reproduce that on my own, but when you said that out loud, I was like, yeah, I think I, I think I've seen her like flipping through the channels, but that's yeah. awesome. Good for her. I mean, it's great. I just can't believe that we're in our Annie Potts playing the grandma era. I know. You know, like, I'm still in the Cloris Leachman playing grandma era. I know. Annie Potts is your mom's friend at most. That's right. I know. Well, I mean, I'm sure. How old is Annie Potts now? Well, I I just tried to. She feels like a grandma age. Well, she she is. She's, She's born in 1952. So she is 51 Right? 60. No. Uh, oh she should God. be almost 70. She's 70. 70. She, oh, her, her birthday is at the end of October, October 28th. So oh, look at that. Eight, so she will be 71. 71? This is not best supporting math. <laughs> this is... <laughs> um, in any event, she's old enough to be a grandma. See, did you know, like, I saw 1952 as her birth year, and I immediately thought, oh, she's 50, because it's still somewhere between 1997 and 2002 for me. Yeah. Uh, no, I get that. That tracks. Yeah. But that's and where I am, too. Any day now is still on the air, you know? That's right. Um, Mad About You is at its peak. Oh, <laughs> my God. Mad About You. I, you Mad know, About You. Mad About You. I always worry or I wonder about Murray. Remember their dog, Murray? Oh, was it? For some reason, when you say Murray, I picture the dog from Frasier. But was he more of like a wishbone type of dog? That was, I think his name was like Eddie. And and he okay. was a wishbone type. On Man About You, it was like a golden retriever. Oh. And I just remember. Uh, he's probably gone, yeah. But I remember Hank Azaria was, was on the show, and he was like their dog walker, and he made up all these nicknames for Murray, and I remember him calling him Murray Tyler Moore, and I thought that was very cute. <gasps> oh, I love that. Yeah. So, love Hank. Uh, love Hank. Uh, we are unfortunately not here to talk about Hank Azaria, though I feel like he would make a lot of sense in the world of this movie, uh, perhaps one of its many remakes. But we are talking about the original and specifically but about everybody but certainly Annie Potts but certainly drag inspiration and legend Sigourney Weaver in 1984's Ghostbusters what a year it's the year my brother was born in 84 and wow I don't know I mean we've been we've been on an 80s kick a 90s kick I, I like this era and I 
this movie brought back so many core memories. I feel like I'm, I'm a broken record saying that too, but specifically like the library scene at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like library class in elementary school? <sighs> I remember like library class. I don't know if there we was- We had it. Yeah. Were you like learning the Dewey Decimal System? Yes, we had this this teacher. Her name was Miss Logan. And she was so mean. Oh. And I was like, obviously like a good kid. Mm-hmm. And I hated being yelled at. And like, you had to like, she had this like thing. Every time you were done with a worksheet, you had to put it in the nest, which was like oh. this, like basically just like a, a, a place where you put like, what am I trying to say? Or something you get at like staples, like uh, a tray yeah. to put papers in, you mm-hmm. know, that you have on your desk at work or whatever. And she would like say, put it in the nest. And we'd be like, okay. And she was like, I remember one time very specifically, there was this girl named Stacy Morgan and she was talking and she was standing in front of me and she talked, but then she bent down to tie her shoe and Miss Logan thought it was me that was talking. And she told me to go to my desk and put my head down. And I instantly cried. Oh, (laughs) oh my God. So jarred by, I was like, it wasn't me. And she didn't believe me. And I hated that. Well, and and the perils of a young gay kid. It could be a girl who was talking, but the teacher will look at us and go, "Excuse me, yeah, I heard you." Yeah, I know, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like the the prequel to when you answer the phone and someone says, "Hello, ma'am." You know, like yes, <laughs> it still happens. It still happens. But I. Yeah. This is all to say that yeah, we had to learn the Dewey Decimal System, and we had tests, and we would go to the library, and we would have to find certain like cards we would have to stand by the the card catalog it was a it was a thing god thank god yeah because now you're you know you can't get away from that card catalog i know it, you it was kind of fun <laughs> like <laughs> i enjoyed it i understood it and it made mm. sense to me but i hated miss logan so she sucked but anyway um what what is your ghostbuster experience well so ghostbusters when i was a kid it was my brother was either watching Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which we've covered, Ooh, yes, or Ghostbusters. Like these, yeah. I feel like, you know, when we bring up the question of like, when did I know culture was for me? Like this is when my brother knew culture was for him. And then when I saw the Poseidon Adventure, that's when I knew culture was for me. Um, of course. Like even though like the Wizard of Oz pinged sooner, that's more of like yes, you're gay. You know what I mean? Like, indeed, you are gay. Um, But, so anyway, Ghostbusters was always on in the house if it wasn't Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I would say I probably remember this even more. And so this is just, like, woven into the fabric of my childhood. There's so much of this that is... uh, Here's a weird thing. There's so much about this experience that it was like a, a... all these sense memories that were coming up and for whatever reason there's something about the movie ghostbusters that just makes me think about food and eating food and like and there's different obviously there's food in the movie there's slimery and hot dogs there's popcorn at some point i feel like i think about popcorn i think about crunchy things in this movie they eat chinese food I probably did a lot of eating while sure. watching Ghostbusters as a kid. <laughs> um, so for whatever reason, like watching this last night, I was like, God, I'm, I need to order Domino's or something. This is driving me nuts. That's so interesting. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, snacks are great during a movie. I wonder why. I mean, I guess it all just makes sense that you were probably just snacking away. Yeah, I just was a snacky kid, and I still love to snack, and this movie just makes me hungry. It, well, it's like, I mean, there's a more of an obvious reason why, like, Home Alone makes me hungry for pizza, because there's great 90s pizza in Home Alone. Oh, yes. Oh, my you God, know? that first scene with a bottle of Coke. Yep. And yep. the mac and cheese that he never takes a bite of. That he never takes Forget a bite it. of. Yep. And, you know, it, there's the, the pizza in the beginning. There's the lovely cheese pizza just for me that he orders later. Like, <laughs> oh. you, it's just, and the Coke and the, oh, it just. Or is it Pepsi? In any event, it's it's just food looked better back then. And so this movie and Home Alone, these are movies that just make me very hungry. I will say there was something very specific about Dana, played by the, the incomparable Sigourney Weaver, mm. um, unpacking her groceries. That was very... Mm -hmm. I don't know why, like the bread and the eggs and the eggs that exploded. Oh, this yeah. movie... I don't want to say like took a turn, but like this movie used to scare the shit out of me when I was younger. Like there's some stuff that's like super hokey and then there's like large Marge territory. And oh, like yeah. even like Freddy territory with like the arms coming out of the chair, it felt straight out of like Nightmare on Elm Street for me. And I I, like, I gasped this time because I totally forgot about it. Oh, uh, yeah, terrifying. I, I did too. And th you're right. That is that moment is so scary. And I, because I, I was like, how does she? I didn't remember the like the moment. I thought I remembered her being in the chair, but I didn't remember the arms coming out. And even as a oh. kid, it pinged for me the way the the third arm came out through like the cushion between her legs. And I remember yeah. even as a kid thinking like, ay yeah 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 yeah, like where's that one going? Yes. <laughs> I know. I and like the fact that she just had no control and the chair was going into that room, very like poltergeisty sort of yep. behavior. I was like, this movie is terrifying and way more sexual than I ever remember it being. Oh, I mean, you know, watching it, there was this part of me that was like, wow, my parents just let us watch Dan Aykroyd get a blowjob from a ghost. <gasps> it's crazy. I yeah. mean, I felt some things towards Dan Aykroyd in this oh! movie. I, I mean, I oh. don't know what it was, but I was like, I mean, really all of these men. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I I had a very similar feeling. There were there were yes. certain moments where I was like, Dan Aykroyd, I in just, his prime. Yeah, yeah, I just want him to do what he needs to do. You know, I yeah. just he's so cute. His great hair. Uh huh. We saw his undies. Yeah, and. So wait, that was a dream, right? Or was it an actual real life occurrence there? Because it felt like dream music was placed in there. So walk me through that. I think it's a dream. It's so funny because it's like these are obviously scenes I've seen a thousand times. And as a kid, you don't really think about the narrative flow or the logic or whatever. Like we'll get to it. But like this was the first time I'd ever made sense to me why the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man shows up at the end. I never questioned right. it in the past. I never, I never, it just was what happened. And so that scene I think it's a dream because then there's like after they show his like eyes crossing, then it like shows him kind Goes of like, back to real life, like moaning and kicking his leg and like someone yep. else is sliding off the bed. And, and even now I'm like, what's going on here? Um, so, yeah, I assume it's a dream. But, you know, this not in a bad way, but this is one of those movies where 
and maybe because I watch it as like I turn into a four year old again, I don't question nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just this is ride the wave. This is such a ride the wave kind of movie. Um, and and I mean, obviously, anybody who's listening right now knows the story of Ghostbusters. I'll say this because I'll always say this. This is probably also the first time that I actually sat down and watched the whole thing and really processed the story of Ghostbusters. And like, it's such a cute idea. It's such a fun idea that these three, eventually four guys decide like, let's like, let's start a service. Let's start a business. I think the, the just go with it quality of this, I have to like, let go of the fact that they seem to have started their business. Like, they started like a website just at the beginning of the dot com boom. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. boy, your timing was great because the ghosts really started. They the the market responded. Yeah, I mean, there's there are. It's funny you say like just go with the two because I was, I was, almost like wanting to push back. I'm like, why is everyone so calm? Like Bill Murray is extremely calm in this movie. And I like the stakes, even on top of that building, I'm like, you guys can die in like a second and no one seems to be worried about this. But also I was like, all right, well it's just a movie from the eighties and just go with it. And it's, that's it. That's the purpose. Yeah. And I guess it's like getting into the, like the, and I think the, the movie world. does an inter- the world and the tone of it. And I think it does a great job of being legitimately creepy at times. Like that opening scene, for example, is like that could be in a regular horror movie. And I would not question it. Like it's soup. The idea yeah. of like, being chased or, you know, pursued by a ghost in like the basement, you know, racks of the library. Like that's so fucking creepy. Um, yes. I guess the, in terms of like, cause yeah, they're like, Bill Murray is just Bill Murray the entire movie. Like, I, I, the most emotion we see out of him is when he thinks that Dana might be dead at the end, you know? And so, like, otherwise, he's just kind of, like, droll Bill Murray. And I don't mind it, but, like, he doesn't have a Meryl Streep crying in the kitchen. It's just too much moment ever. <laughs> yeah, I let's talk about Bill Murray because I, I know that everyone loves Bill Murray. I feel like it's the same sort of vibe with like Chuck Norris. You know what I mean? How everyone mm. is obsessed with Chuck Norris, and it's kind of different and kind of not at the same time. And I like I would I think my hope is that Bill Murray is just like super cool, super chill, doesn't take himself too seriously, but happens to just be like a really funny guy to hang out with. But like he's kind of smug at the same time. I'm like, I just wanted to slap him sometimes too, but he made me laugh. So like, I, I understand the draw and like he was huge in the eighties. So, and I was also like mildly attracted to him too at the same time. So I was just kind of torn, but overall, I guess I liked him. Question mark. How about you? Well, you know, I think you bring up a very good point about Bill Murray because I think that was the Bill Murray brand for a really long time. Yeah. Oh, he's cool. He's such a, you know, deadpan kind of guy. And 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 straight men just love Bill Murray. They do. And, and there was that story about like someone invited Bill Murray to their wedding and then he showed up or he saw he saw Bill Murray on a plane and then he saw him again later. But there's people like straight guys on Reddit love to tell like funny Bill Murray anecdotes and, and, they all, <laughs> yes, yes. and you know, film buffs, yeah. film buffs. And, and they always, 
this is probably too long of a diatribe to get into here, but for example, um, they all write the story the same way. It's always something like, uh, he's a really cool guy, chatted with us for a bit, was telling us stories, remembered everybody's name. They Literally that kind of like, not he chatted with us a little uh, for a bit. It's chatted with us for a bit. Was telling us stories about whatever. Yeah. It's the same cadence, and it. I can't figure out what that is yet. It's just an ick for me. It's a. It's like a Reddit ick for me. Oh, that's such a TikTok word. They're calling yes. I'm a big <laughs> TikToker. I'm putting the ick in TikTok. I. <laughs> I just love that TikTok. I just love that app. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> but no, you're right. I it's straight men love Bill Murray and as I don't know if gay men do, but I don't dislike him. I remember Groundhog Day, but I feel like he's just always disinterested and a little smug, but could probably make me laugh. And I kind of want his approval at the same time, like most straight men, you know. Mm. Um, so, and it's funny that he is sort of like the leading man in in this group of. I'm like, should have been Dan Aykroyd for. for well, I care. as far as far as we are concerned, well, yeah, you know, he was in the background. To your point, <laughs> though, well, I feel like in the re- last couple of years, I've then started to hear the stories about how much of a jerk Bill Murray is. And that would not surprise me either. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, that like he's actually like he is smug and he is like a pain in the ass. And like he's I, I think he's not the kind of like deadpan Tom Hanks we want him to be. And so that made it really interesting to watch this where I think he is doing that brand of Bill Murray that straight men love. Like it's quintessential mm-hmm. in this movie because he's the smart ass and he's got all the one liners and he gets to like say all the things these straight guys wish they could think of, um, you know, it, as if they were ever in these situations. But um, and no offense to the three and a half straight men listening right now. We're not talking about you. Um, but <laughs> I, but I think watching it now i'm kind of like it's like watching kevin spacey and something you know sure yep 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 you know it's like yeah, american I... beauty great movie but it's like oh kevin spacey you know yes i guess i this is all to say at least for me that i don't know if i've ever i've not seen lost in translation i know that's like his big like moment as far as like a dramatic angle i feel like i've seen caddyshack and it's just like, all right, fine. Um, mm. So I don't know. I just, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think, because there's that whole lore that like Chevy Chase was like a huge asshole. And I don't mm. think he's at Chevy Chase level because like, apparently wasn't there like a roast of Chevy Chase where like everyone was just like, yeah, you like they roasted him so bad that he like went back to his room and like cried because he like didn't have any friends and he was just like such an asshole. And everyone that was on that show community mm-hmm. like kind of hated him too. Um, and I just I I don't believe he's Chevy Chase, but it it makes sense that it's like that seventies eighties SNL macho man bullshit comedy vibe. Mm-hmm. I I and I agree with you. I, he's probably like Chevy Chase is probably like on the scale. He's probably up in the red. I'm willing to believe Bill Murray's in the yellow orange. You know. Yeah, I think Bill hung out with like Gilda Radner. You know, like yeah. I'd like to see them together. But Chevy was like out fucking some girl, probably. Like, yeah. He didn't give a shit about Gilda. <laughs> oh, didn't care at all about her. Fuck him. <laughs> oh. So, 
So well, that's Bill. Yeah. And I do want to say, I just realized that Bill is an alum of this podcast. We've talked about him before. <gasps> okay, um, wait. Can I guess? Yes. Actually, I probably won't be able to guess, but um, not a TV show, right? No, a movie from the 80s. With movie from the a, 80s. With a BSA that at one point was we had very strong opinions about, despite a very plain performance. And it is one of, and the movie features one of the original assistants to the BSA on this podcast, who isn't Jane Alexander. I was just going to say Jane. Okay, um, as far as BSAs that we had, con- you said conflicting opinions. Does that mean one of us felt no, good think, and one of us didn't? I think we both had similar opinions in that we maybe didn't agree with the Academy. We were like, "Why?" And I know I had strong Ooh. opinions. It's, Immediately, I think of Gina Davis. Oh, that's probably one of the one of the ones we hate the most. Yeah, I hated that. Oh, can you that imagine? for me is like one of our rock bottoms. Yes, not, not oh. like I just like I hated that performance. I hated that movie, The Accidental. I Tourist. hated it too. Oh, oh God, we should. It's one of those made up titles. Yeah, yeah, it means it was nothing a book to me. though. So I mean, whatever. Whatever. Um, I don't want to read it either. Well, yeah. Uh, I d- I don't think I'll be able to guess. So why don't why don't you, unless you want to give me one more hint and and then we'll call it. <laughs> Maybe you'll remember the line. That's enough, Doctor Brewster. <gasps> oh, um, uh, da 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 She, oh, God, she has yes. big glasses uh, toots- on. Tootsie. Yes, he plays Tootsie. Terry he Gar. Play- Terry Gar. He played. Uh, what's his name? Bill Bill Murray played um, uh, Dustin Hoffman's friend or his roommate or whatever. Yes, I think that. Okay, so that's crazy that we've already talked about him, and I don't. I don't remember really saying too much about him on that episode because there's so much to talk about in Tootsie. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, and um, I think that for me in this, like, he just seems so lecherous in a way too. Like, I hate how he's just like. I don't think he has any game. Like, I don't think he's a good like, and he's just he's just like a stiff. He like never leans over. <laughs> he's just like mm. always standing erect, not erect but well who knows uh yeah but when we meet him he's kind of a jerk because he's conducting that study with the guy with um you know that that poor little guy who's like i've had about enough of this which which is like a line that stuck with me forever um yeah and then the cute uh blonde girl and you know it's like you know guess what the shape is on the other side of this card and and each time he would guess it wrong and then he would get a little shock and then each time she would guess it wrong and you know venkman would be like that's incredible you got that right as well and even then i was like oh i don't i like not that oh i don't like this this isn't very nice but like it's interesting that like we are introduced to him as like kind of a jerk like uh but this is behavior that like jerky film buff straight guys love i know he's just like yeah he's just like the straightest of them and i just don't well compared to like when when we meet Dan Aykroyd's character, you know, Raymond, I feel like he's a goose from the beginning. Like he's just a sweetie yes. dotty from the beginning. You know, when they when they first go to the firehouse and he's like, hey guys, check out this pole. And he's just like the sweetie of the group. I agree. I think I could have used more of him. I thought he was so adorable. Um, go ahead. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. I could have used so much more of him. I thought he was just like, he was someone I enjoyed going on this journey with. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about Egon. 
because I'm really into him. I love okay. a big nose. Yeah. Yeah, I love the glasses. I think his voice is sexy. Even though he kind of sounds like a little Kermit the Froggy, <laughs> I'm like into it. I don't know why. Um, yeah, Harold Ramis, uh, who uh, co-wrote this, wrote this. Yes. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Dan, right? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd and Harold? He and Dan yeah. Aykroyd, yeah. And Rick Moranis is also listed as a writer, but like, oh, fun. everybody improved in this and ad-libbed in this movie. So even Sigourney Weaver is a writer in this movie. Yes, technically. Um, but I, I love the like the relationship between, you know, Janine and and Egon. And now he, he doesn't really ever... I could have used more of that. I think that would have been more funny. Like, you can tell that he's not really interested, but I, I wanted them to, like, kiss at the end or something, but they we never got there. Yeah, I feel like I read in the trivia that, like, there was a little bit more of their love story subplot. There was, like, another scene where she gives him, like, a good luck charm before they go to, you know, the final showdown. Uh, but, yeah. like, I, I love that, I mean it's like half the reason I would go rewatch Ghostbusters 2 is just to like continue to watch the dynamic between Janine and Egon because it, it, it gives her like, really it's like, I love Egon because it also gives Janine more opportunities to show up in the movie. For sure. I, I want to talk about Janine, but I want to, um, cause you know, we love the ladies. We're going to, we're going to lift oh, them yeah. up a little bit more, but I, I want to talk about Winston because I was waiting for Winston. I was like, how does he, when does he come in? And Ernie Hudson, my frame of reference for him is in the movie Congo. Have you seen Congo? Do you remember oh. that movie with Laura Linney? Tickle, Amy. Tickle. Um, that's what I remember <laughs> from Congo. Tickle, Amy. <laughs> that movie used to scare me. Like, my brother, for some reason, we just, like, stumbled on it one day. And he would always want to watch it. And I'd be like, I'm scared. I don't, like, that. like, the diamonds that they put in the gun very Ghostbusters to be honest because it would like shoot these like lasers and they had to like kill all the like evil gorillas or whatever it was it was terrifying yeah. I haven't seen it in a I'm, maybe the last time I saw it was like in the theaters but like uh, yeah yeah no Congo was was nuts but that's all I remember is Tickle Amy which was like the little Tickle like Amy. the little I don't know sign language that she because yep. isn't Amy the name of the the gorilla I think so. That sounds right. If not, it's something that sounds similar to that. Yeah. But, I'm going to put it on um, a tote bag anyway. Yes. <laughs> but I, I like Ernie. I think he's like a well, or Winston rather. I think that he's like a, uh, we need him in the dynamic to kind of, he brought a little bit of life to the group. Um, I love that he's probably the most normal out of all of them too. But like he kind of just joined and slipped right in. So I was happy to see him whenever we did. Because he comes, I don't know. Fairly later in the movie, I'd say, but not too yeah. late. Yeah. Well, the story with this, because I agree, I remember before I watched this, I remember kind of hearing like, oh, like just the idea that like Winston is kind of like the the Peggy in Hamilton. It's like, and Winston, you yeah. know? And I was like, oh, that's, I'll have to see what, what that's about. And then, so I was like, yeah, it definitely feels like a more slight role compared to the other three. And so apparently what it was, was the role was bigger and there was more of a backstory and was originally offered to Eddie Murphy and then oh. Eddie Murphy dropped out and so then they like reduced the role and gave it to Ernie Hudson and so interesting that's, that's what happened there but it is like it really it, I would say it's probably the like in terms of the main characters, probably the shortest straw in terms of like 
a, a, a juicy role. I mean, I, I think there's a different role in this movie that's the best role. And it's not Winston. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, unfortunately. And it makes me, going back to what you're saying about the second one, too, because I, my wires were definitely crossed. I was like, I remember the State Puffed. I used to call it, I always used to call it when I was younger, the State Puffed Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's like something I've been pronouncing, mispronouncing all my life. Um, but it's Stay Puffed. I remember that because my brother and I had the toys, too. We had the trap that, like, you would throw the trap out and it was like hooked up to this like long tube and there was like a pump at the end you would put your foot on that would open uh-huh. the trap and we also had the backpacks oh wow. but is that the second one i don't know it had like this like nerf sort of like lightsaber thing that came out of it they um, technically have had them that on. in this one but i i had a very similar like wires crossing like I couldn't remember if it was this one or the second one where everybody sings outside, but that's the oh, second I don't one. I remember that. Oh yeah, I mean the second one also has that uh, that ooze that comes out of the tub and attacks Sigourney Weaver's baby Oscar, and that seems <gasps> scare the shit out of me. Oh my god, yes, I'm remembering that. And that the painting, that the, creepy yeah, ass painting, the guy in the painting, Ugh. and then when I think it's. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick Moranis's character, uh, Lewis. Lewis. I think it's Lewis and Janine are babysitting Oscar one night, and that's when the ghost nanny comes oh, to the window and and takes him. And I also remember from the second one, I guess. Uh, before they realize this, but Dana's asking, oh, how did he do? And Janine goes, oh, he was fine. We gave him a little bit of French bread pizza and he was out like a light or something like that. But I just remember her saying we gave him a little bit of French bread pizza. And he <laughs> That's was That's like out. me on a Friday night. Yeah. yeah, I was like, yep, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, uh, that is, in terms of the, 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 the backpack and the, and the trap sound like toys that would make sense from the first one. Mm-hmm. We had... Um, we had the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. We had the action figures. I actually still have it. It's in my room right now. I have a I have a Janine action figure. No way. I know. I know. Because because there was also the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which is probably where these toys are really coming from. Oh. Do you remember that's the cartoon? Right. I think I do. This is all like I, yes and no is my answer for that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I sort of remember it, but I, I don't at all. Which makes sense because like, I would, I wasn't born until eighty six, so like it feels like I shouldn't be having these toys. But I rem- I could, I can imagine Christmases or birthdays when like of us holding our Stay Puft Marshmallow Man dolls. Like they were like a foot tall and they were soft. It was a, oh, it was wow. a good toy. But yeah. so yeah, and I remember like maybe getting a Slimer action figure or two. So yeah. I feel like I did, but I was just too young to kind of remember, I guess. And and I'm sure my brother was watching it all the time, so I was just absorbing. But yeah, so that's uh, and and we may have had like some of the, like the cars or the the. So I feel like there was something else in the mix, but it was you guys had like my size Barbie kind of Ghostbuster stuff. We just had the action. I know figures. they went all out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Oh I would God. kill to like find those at like a yard sale now, but oh. it, they would be snatched up so quick. I know. Ugh. I know. Could sell them on Etsy or something. Oh, if my Janine didn't, if the dog didn't chew on Janine back in like 92, I could probably sell her for a pretty penny. I mean, 
Exactly. And, and that's a great Halloween costume, too, is Janine. If it's like the right type of gal, like I would love if someone walked in and just yeah. let's talk about Janine. Let's talk more about Janine, too, because I feel it's just like those gay whistle tones. I was like, you you're perfect. You're not overselling this accent, but you're very close to it. Um, but I, I love the no nonsense. I love that she has a sensitive side for Egon. Mm-hmm. Um I just love her as the the secretary. I just I think she's like quintessential BSA. I think she is so funny. She is so great in this. She she may be my favorite character because it's just like when we first meet her, she's sitting at the desk and then, you know, she's she's chit chatting with Fankman, but then Egon comes up from under the desk and I just love how she's like, Oh wow, you're very handy. Do you do a lot of reading? I do a lot of reading. Like she she'll just go on she's very Rhoda Morgenstern in some ways. So I really think that's also why I'm gravitating. But uh I I loved that later in the movie when the police drop off Lewis to the to their little firehouse, I love that Egon and Janine are both there talking to him when he's got the colander on his head. Like there's just yes. something about the fact that Janine was also there that just like I was like I wouldn't like this scene as much if Janine wasn't there to be like I feel very there's I have a bad feeling about this. I'm just very worried about this. I just love that she was there. Yeah, she's like, I tend to be psychic about these things, and I yeah. feel like you're going to die. <laughs> so just uh, something like that. And, like, puts it's her so head on funny. his chest. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, I love her. I, there's something, I just love the name Annie Potts, too. Like, it, it, I just love her name. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been sort of, I, I'm not really a designing wom- women. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a designing woman either. No. Um, type of gay, but I did watch, like, the highlights of season one, a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Um, but I, I I appreciate. I feel like um, um, Jason from Lady Watch was really into Annie Potts, if I'm remembering correctly. That was one of his like top ten gals, and for good reason. I think she's she's had a great career. She was the voice of Little Bo Peep in Toy Story. She's got that Pixar money. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. good for her. And I mean that yeah. young Sheldon money is probably incredible. Oh my god, yeah. She's oh my it. god. And apparently she pops up in Ghostbusters Afterlife from 2021. So I Oh, no, okay. I I don't know. Maybe I or definitely, sorry. I was going to say I just like had a stroke there, but yeah. did you see the all female Ghostbusters when that came out? No, great question, but no, and not because, you know, my childhood was being ruined. I just I don't know why I didn't. Maybe the bad press did put me off a little bit. Did you see it? I did. And I think it was fine. I think that Kate McKinnon was the best part about mm-hmm. it. She was kind of like Bill Murray. Like she was giving yeah. that energy. Um, I think, was it Kristen Wiig and... Kristen Wiig was definitely playing against type for sure. She wasn't like zany. She was a little bit more reserved and Melissa McCarthy was kind of like the Dan Aykroyd and you know I mean hate to say it but um right what's her snakes from SNL was kind of like the Winston character but she was kind of very much um like like also kind of stealing the show too like I'm glad that they cast her for that but I think Jones yeah yeah Leslie Jones I think that um oh who was it uh, the, like the like the the heartthrob in that movie I'm looking oh, at right Chris now. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. He was fine. I there's nothing more. I hate. What am I trying to say? 
What I hate the most is when someone hot does something not even mildly funny and everyone just like jizzes their pants. Oh. I'm like, stop this. It, it's almost borderline with the Barbie movie too. Like I think Ryan Gosling was good, but we talked about it before that line where he's like, where Barbie is like, I think I'm ready to have a sleepover with you, Ken. And what is, he says sublime. Yeah. And everyone like lost it. And they're like, yeah. give him the Oscar for this line alone. I'm like, this is not that funny. Yeah. It's funny, but let's reel it in here, folks. It's exactly like it's similar, but it's it's a little bit different. But like in Barbie, when like John Cena pops up as a merman. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I'm just like, ugh, like uh, what? What's the twist? OK, that's it. Got it. Um, you know, side note, as time passes, I I think I like Barbie less and less. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I know. I, and I don't know what that is, but it's like tar. As time passed, I liked it more. As time passes <laughs> with Barbie, I like it less. I'd be interested to watch it again because I kind of know. I kind of understand what you're think, what where you're going with it too. I would be. I feel like there's so much expectation, and I was like so wrapped up in it, and I was like so emotional during it, and I was like, this is film at its finest and I do think it is like obviously it was it was successful and Mar- Margot Robbie is great I think here's what I think I think TikTok ruined Barbie for me I think TikTok ruined that Billie Eilish song for me oh, that, uh, yeah. that that um, audio of Rhea Perlman saying like now close your eyes and just feel and I was like I'm, I'm done with this now but it, it went far beyond what it needed to and I think that kind of is, is contributing a little bit I would just say I'm tired of it I don't know if I like it less but I it's now on uh, that Plex account that we have so yes it I'd is be interested to, uh, to watch it again I mean that's a fair point is like I think you might be you might be right about this I think it's it's not that I like it less I think I'm tired of it Fatigue. and I, fatigued yeah. I think you're so right that I think TikTok you know when I only got like drips and snips of that Billie Eilish song, I was like, "Oh, this is this is this is if you need to cry, you put this on." Now yep. th- those nerves are rubbed raw. Like that means nothing to me anymore uh, because of TikTok. It's a great song. It just doesn't have the same impact. And I I do think the Ryan Gosling, like Ryan Gosling, is much like Jessica Lange and Tootsie, who we had a lot of feelings about. Great performance, yeah. but the fact that it, she won an Oscar for it just doesn't add up. And in the same That's way, not... Ryan Gosling, great performance, but the fact that he's gonna get an Oscar nomination for it doesn't add up. No, I don't. Th- I don't think we need that. Like, give him a Globe nomination, maybe even give him the Globe, unless there's something else that should win instead. But I, I think I'm. Maybe that's what I'm most fatigued about too is Ryan Gosling, I guess. And I yeah. like I, I from what I remember like he made me laugh. He just makes me laugh. Uh but not yeah. like not maybe, that much. Maybe he needs to do a bit of a Jennifer Lawrence or uh even a little bit of an Annie Hathaway and just step back. I think we've had a little too much Ryan Gosling maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Do you have a favorite Ryan Gosling movie? I love that we're both saying it different. I say Gosling and you say Gosling, and I don't know which one's right. Oh, I don't. It's kind of like Charlize Theron. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, do I have a f- the fact that I have to like look up Ryan Gosling movies probably says something. 
he's he you know i don't have anything i don't don't know he's canadian you know so like that's and he's lovely he's probably a lovely person i you know for all the pooping on him that i'm doing i'm realizing i probably haven't seen him in that much i did see lars and the real girl but i didn't fall for that the way that everybody told me i was gonna fall for that yeah, I know that he's been. He was nominated for an Oscar for a movie called Half Nelson, and I don't I know remember why that. that's stored in my brain. Yeah, and I think he's really great in Blue Valentine. Oh, you um, love that movie? Yeah, it is great, and I think I mean Michelle Williams is, in many ways, I feel that sh- she's just one of those people that just give that woman an Oscar already. Jesus yeah. Christ! But it'll happen one day, hopefully. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I I honestly went to The Notebook real quick, which I think Rachel McAdams is far better than him in The Notebook, but he's, their their chemistry is great, I will say that. Um, I didn't see Crazy Stupid Love. La La Land was fine. Mm, like, they have yeah. a couple good, like, fight scenes, him and Emma Stone, but um, I think he's, like, a solid actor. I think he's almost like a George Clooney territory for me, where he's, yeah. like... I never have disliked him, and there's some stuff that sticks out for me. I don't know, folks. Chime in. Are we missing? Are we missing something besides the fact that he's probably super charming and he's obviously hot? Like, what else? What else has he got? Yeah, I think I just I like a little more. I just like something else. I, I you know. Uh, I don't know. I it's. It, there's so many other men I love, you know? I love Albert Finney and Aaron Brockovich. Isn't that enough men? <laughs> yes. Do I like enough men already? It's been the year of the man. It's just not the year. It's not, not this man, you know? He's, he's a queen for all seasons, just not this one, you know? I know. It's like, why aren't we talking more about James Marsden than mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling, you know? Yeah. Who was also in The Notebook, both of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, because uh, no one has ever looked handsomer oh, <laughs> in my that God. uniform. Oh, yes. my God. Ugh, I would cover that movie Those just cheekbones. just to talk about that picture. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we should one day. I mean, simply for Rachel McAdams, because I think we need to have a moment for her at one point. Yeah, I mean, we've we we think we've only ever talked about her in the Family Stone. So, uh, oh god, she was so good in the Family Stone, that's... staring at that Christmas tree at the end. Mm. There's certain movies that I'm like. You know, there's there's the accidental tourist where I'm like, I I wish we never did that. But then there's some movies that I'm like, I yeah. would do that all over again. I'd cover that movie all over. I'd cover the Family Stone every year. I know. I mean, we we could do it every Christmas. We could also do um, uh, oh gosh, um, you got real cranberry sauce. You got oh uh, for uh-huh. every Thanksgiving. Hello, my name is Doris. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of a funny idea of like every year, every Christmas, we talk about the Family Stone and we have like a new take on it, you know, or there's a yeah. new thing we discover about it or whatever. I, I kind of think that's, I feel like there was, like there've been those podcasts where it's like they talk about like a minute of a movie every week and they just deep dive like into the that minute of the movie. Oh, wow. That was an old trend of years ago of podcasts. But um I also think there's something it'd have to be like it would it would get old, but I also think there's something kind of funny about every week on the podcast where like the hosts talk about the same movie every week. You know what I mean? Like there's something to that, yeah. Every week we talked about a league of their own, but it was just a different conversation. You know what I mean? It was a different tangent. Especially with movie where there's movies where there's enough to like mine those sort of details. Like yeah, a year of mass. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just a year. I mean, talk about just those like yeah. four and a half people listening. We're better off doing our any gay now podcast. 
Yes. Oh, I know. We could do like the family stoned where we just get stoned and oh. talk about the family stone. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that idea. Where we just And it's all year. Every week we just get high and we talk about the family stone. <laughs> yes. I Hand would, me a fork. I would listen every week if I wasn't the host of that podcast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be into it. I'd yeah. definitely be into it. Because I think that the, the conceit of it, the idea of like, it would just be so funny to be like, okay, what are you going to talk about this week? Like, what, where are you going to spin it, spin it this week? And like some weeks it'd just be like exhaustion and frustration. Like it'd be so many emotions. I, yeah, I don't know. Put it on the board. If we ever, if we ever have nothing else to do with our lives. Yeah. If we run out of movies. Yes. Well, I'll tell you one thing I was not frustrated or bored with is Miss Sigourney Weaver as Dana. I think we we can we can end this episode by just talking about her and how charming she is. I love everything that she wears. I'm a big fan of like 80s coats, winter coats. Uh-huh. Um that like scarf, that, that like love uh, that scarf. That it was like that grayish mom coat. I know what you're talking about cuz I think my mom had that coat. Yep. Uh, well, Cher we... has it in Moonstruck. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yes. Yep, that, that, yep. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, I'm Nina Benita Brown coat. pointing at you. Yes. Yeah, the pointing, yes. That's exactly I have it. a coat like that that I found at a vintage store. And it's like the closest I'm going to get, I feel. And I think I paid like 70 bucks for it. And I was like, and I went, I went to it and then we went back a couple, like we went like a month later or something and it was still there. And it has a hole in it and it's upstairs. And I just need to like fucking take it to the shop and have someone. It's a thick coat too, but it is the mm. mom coat. And I mm. feel like there's just like some fall winter event that i can wear it to and people are gonna lose their minds so that's my goal for the <laughs> i for the fall slash winter i'll send you a picture you know i i'm i'm a bit of a of a janine i'm a little psychic about these things and something tells yeah. me we've talked about this a lot on the after show folks and if you want to hear these deep dive conversations you should join us on patreon.com slash bsa pod but we've talked about you know like fall is maybe my season and and the sense was maybe winter is going to be your season like i think yes. that like we're claiming seasons and something tells me something tells me to not discount miss geist and something tells me that you need to get that coat repaired and get it ready for winter you need to show up and show out this winter in your mom coat and i think the universe is going to respond i I certainly hope so. I I definitely need it. Yeah, <laughs> I need like I, a boost. This this um, feels like yeah. a hint. This feel like this is the universe being like, put on the mom coat. You know. Yeah. Wear yeah. it. Just going to get coffee and see what happens. Yeah. Too. Because I feel like it's a compliments coat. It's definitely like my my. I feel like um Charlotte in Sex in the City when she watches that Elizabeth Taylor documentary. She finally leaves the apartment wearing that pink dress. Mm -hmm. As she goes to Brady's birthday party. That's also the same episode where Miranda and Steve are like in that little like room getting the cake ready. Oh, and, and they have like, I love like, you. Yeah. I love you, Steve. Yeah. So, yeah. More on that on the, the supporting, the best supporting after show, like you said, on Patreon, folks. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm down for a mom coat moment. I think I, I am too. I'm ready for it. Uh, yeah. But yes, I, uh, Dana Barrett, it's the mom coat. It's that, it's that um, the sort of, uh, what what word am I thinking of? Those the color scheme of that scarf. It's like pale blues and pinks. It's like a yep a pastels. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Uh, sort of, and that's a great Halloween costume too. If like Dana Barrett in that coat with that with the scarf with the bag of groceries, that's a great Halloween costume. Yeah, you know who I always get her confused with, like 
Sigourney Weaver in this movie could easily be in Hannah and her sisters. Like maybe like is it the Barbara Hershey role or oh. who am I picturing? But like just yes. that hair, which I yes. guess like every woman in the eighties, that was the look. Um, but just her, like, did we ever find out in this movie what instrument she plays? Is she in a symphony? Like, what does she do? She seems, it looks like she plays in, because they were rehearsing at Lincoln Center. Yeah. I, it looks like she's got some kind of violin in there. So, I mean, I feel like I'd be asking you, I don't know an instrument from a Texas instrument. For some reason, I didn't see a case. I don't know why. And maybe I was taking notes or... I don't know what she I was doing. She had one but... at one point. I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was when she was leaving rehearsal and she saw Peter outside by the fountain. Yeah. I feel like she had a case there. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, this is I, not like I know for sure because this is the first time watching Ghostbusters that I ever noticed she was a musician. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But she's but... living that like new york life that everyone wants like she's playing in the you know the symphony she has an amazing apartment with a great view so let's talk about dana's apartment because this i mean again especially watching this as a kid watching this as a little like burgeoning gay boy early early cataloging i mean like dana's kitchen is like such an important kitchen to me Mm mm-hmm I feel like we could have an episode on just kitchens alone, really. I, her, her refrigerator is so yes. like, specific. Yes, the way that it, yeah. lo- it has that kind of like, I feel like nowadays people have the like hidden refrigerator. It looks like a cabinet in their kitchen. Um, and I'm sure people had it back then, but that was a detail that stood out to me. It was like, oh, she doesn't have a white fridge. She doesn't have a stainless steel fridge. She has a cabinet fridge. Yeah, it was cool. And it's just like, it's so open and so, so many windows. And I loved her little like seating, like her, where her couch is. It was just mm-hmm. great. It's just one of those great apartments that you romanticize of like what your life could be in New York in the 80s. Absolutely. Oh my God. The, the, that corner view, um, the yeah. plush couches. I feel like, uh, we didn't see the bathroom. That's probably the only thing I would have. And, and we saw the bedroom a little bit, but we, I really would have liked to see what the bathroom situation was. Do you go yep. through the bedroom? Is it in the hall when you first enter? I just, I'm always curious about where the bathroom is in apartments. It's just this like weird detail. Yeah. You know what my favorite is? This is a tangent. I love, there's like a certain type of New York apartment, like a New York studio. It's called an alcove studio and it's kind of like somewhat L. It seems L-shaped. So like okay. you enter at like, if you think of a like a, an uh, uppercase L, you like enter at like the top of the taller part of the L. And then that's like, you know, the kitchen is off the side, but it's all like, that's the open like living space. And then as you go forward, there's yeah. like windows and you make a left and there's an alcove there and that's where your bed is. But then Ooh, yeah. next to the bed, there's a door to like a closet dressing room area that's like its own little room and then there's a door beyond that and that's the bathroom Ooh, that's nice tucked out of the way yep that's I, really nice and i love the idea of just like a little dressing room i just think that is so like you kind of have that in your house you have that like extended dressing room yeah our closet room for sure <laughs> it is nice um i think it's I don't know that the privacy is kind of nice, even though there are windows in that room too, but like no one lives next door to us on that side. So I never really worry, but it is nice to come out of your, like come out of the shower and then just go into the, like the closet and get dressed and then just be on your merry way. Yeah. Ugh. I mean like that's, 
I really want, and I think Dana has an island counter in her kitchen, but yes. I I wanted a kitchen with an island counter, and I want one day to have that kind of like dressing room that like similar to what you have. So you know, I want I want to be able to sit down in the room where I get dressed and have it not just be the edge of my bed. <laughs> Yes, somewhere else to sit um, in your towel dress. You yes, know. <laughs> yes, I, exactly. I and like I also like I know that I shouldn't because like the smoke would get in my clothes, but like I also want to like I would I it's like the perfect kind of like little smoking den. I would want a For similar sure. little room somewhere else in my dream house that's also kind of enclosed like that, and that's my smoking room. Ah, oh, love that. Yeah. And the bathroom Manifest is, that. yeah, yeah the bath, God knows where the bathroom is, you know, good luck. Um, yes. But anyway, Dana, you know, love the apartment, but th- here's what I love about Dana. She's, I mean, Sigourney Weaver is just so, oh, she's just so wonderful. And when she's just kind of like, you know, uh, your average everyday, you know, musician on the Upper West Side, like, you know, she's playing the straight man, you know what I mean? Like to everything else going on. But, I mean, as a kid, talk talking about cataloging, one of the things that first pinged for me was when she has that first encounter with the eggs and whatnot, and then when she opens the fridge and the and the the thing says Zool, and she screams and slams the fridge. That beat just pinged for me. It was just like I love that. I love the shot of her screaming and slamming the fridge. <laughs> it's a great scream. Yeah. It's like, it's like the quintessential scream of all screams is that it's so good refrigerator. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, she has a similar moment in aliens. That's also just like, Oh my Ooh, God. Um, and I think maybe in the original alien, she has got a scream that just, Oh yeah. It's just so intense. Um, but you know, <laughs> I love that. And so then obviously, yeah, she's, she's very much straight man to like, you know, Venkman and even Lewis, who I want to talk about before we go. Um, yep. but, what I love about this movie is then when she does get like possessed by Zool, it, it's like it suddenly becomes the best role in the movie. Yes, I I I would imagine that if you interview her today, that she would say like that was so much fun to do that. Yeah, part. yeah. I mean, because she just like I I think that she I think she had even said like she was known up to that point for doing a lot of dramatic roles and a lot of serious, you know, heavy stuff. She was an alien at that point. And so this was an opportunity to like show the comedic side. And I was like, yeah, you know, I always like, even as a kid, the beat of Vankman showing up to her apartment and she's already possessed. And he's like, and she says, are you the gatekeeper? And he says, no. And then she just slams the door. Like that beat always made me laugh. And I just, yep. Uh, and just that shot of her opening the door and just like wind blown. I mean, it's just, Oh my God, Sigourney! Yeah, the nose contour, the makeup's different. And uh-huh. She's just like a woman possessed, and like, for lack of a better word, just horny as hell. Like, really, just wanting to like make it happen. Yeah, she and, sa- I was gonna, she yeah, says to him, "I want you inside of me." And I, was I like, know, I was, I clutched my pearls. At yeah, that. Like, whoa. Uh, Kids what were you movie, say? I guess. Yeah. Um. I. It was something I couldn't remember Bill Murray's character's name, or I guess Venkman. We'll just call him too. Yeah. He's he's very interesting in that scene because he's not afraid of her, even though something is clearly wrong, and almost like goes through with it, but doesn't, and like drugs her 
which I guess is for his own safety, to be honest. But it, I just like, I couldn't. I feel like he should be more scared, and that's just like what I was thinking. As a kid, I remember being very confused by the fact that I was like, does he know? Does he not realize she's possessed? But like, I realized on this watch, like the way that I read it was like he's kind of doing this like, um, what was his name, Steve Irwin, Crocodile Hunter thing. Like he's just being very. Jackie would do this on Nurse Jackie where like a patient would be really freaked out and she'd say, you're okay, you're okay. And like she'd just be the calm mm. energy. And I feel like that's what I picked up this time was like, this was maybe the only t- or the time that I appreciated Bill Murray doing the Bill Murray thing the most because I was like, oh, th- this actually makes sense that you would not play into this and you'd play really calm because like you're dealing with a very unstable energy right now. And so like I accepted it, but this is the first time in 38 years where I ever really understood the the direction in this scene. That makes sense. I, I kind of like that you explained it like that. I think that that adds up because I'm sure at that point too, they've seen so much weird shit with all these ghosts. Yeah. And th- that he kind of cares about her at this point. They were supposed to go on a date. Mm-hmm. So he's he's invested enough to just kind of like stay with her to make sure that she's safe, but also, yeah, I guess not get not get too worked up. Yeah, it's a but I I definitely it took me a long time to really be like why why is this scene going like this? But yes, um, I think I mean I need to get this like printed and put on my wall, but like. There was that whole sequence when when the ghosts get released from the little trap in the basement, and it's that whole montage with that song "Magic," which yes, oh my god, that that song. I was like, this is it. Like this is <laughs> it. This is it. Um, but I think I think it, it, it like culminates in that like explosion on like the the side of her apartment and she there's this like shot of her like she's like a panther on her bed and her hair is blown back and i feel like she's like approaching the like like the exploded open uh wall but like it's just this shot of sigourney where i'm like this is you are the most beautiful woman i've ever seen i yeah she really is yeah i'm now less gay i'm even less gay than i was who made me less gay um and margaret someone made me less gay yeah, uh, what was that? Grease 2? Connie Stevens? Maybe I was less gay for Connie Stevens. Maybe it was. But um, I'm I'm basically in love with Bill Murray. I'm pretty straight right now. I got to be honest. Like, <laughs> I know. I met him Jeez. once. You know, he's a nice guy. Chatted yeah. with us. Told us stories about Ghostbusters. Remembered, Remembered our names. You know, saw him at the wedding I invited to. Good guy. Ugh. Yikes. Ick. Ick. <laughs> Ick. For sure. Ugh. Um... You know, I I think the last thing I'll say about Sigourney Weaver is that I, 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 as a kid, and even now watching it, there's this energy about the end of the movie when, you know, they they rescued Lewis and Dana and they defeat, you know, Gozer and all that stuff. And uh, at the end, like, the credits are playing while they're, like, you know, everyone's cheering and they're, like, you know, emerging from the building. And for some reason, there's something about especially her energy in this that as a kid, I almost interpreted it like the bows during a play and that this wasn't Dane anymore. It was Sigourney Weaver. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's just like smiling and like having a great time with all these extras. Yeah. It's like <laughs> she's like, oh, hey, um, oh, okay, we yeah. go back to the hotel now. Yeah. 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 Uh, I but just, it also, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. That's just, that's always how it read to me, even now. Yeah. 
because it just feels weird that she's so into Venkman all of a sudden too because she's kind of just been standoffish but she did agree to a date like she was charmed by him and to go from like that to just be like to just being like attached to his side and smiling it seemed like a big jump but whatever it's also a movie but totally bows energy for sure big bows energy and because it's like a weird ending it's it's like oh the credits are they're they're already happening okay like it's just i don't know it it it's such an odd choice to have like the last two minutes of the movie be during the credits yeah that is weird yeah um you know, before before we get played off, perhaps by the incredible Elmer Bernstein score, my God, the music in this movie. I was just going to say, like, who are you going to call? Like, that song, it was nominated for an Oscar, that song. Oh, yeah, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters. Well, that's the crazy thing. Oh, yeah, but you were talking about the score. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 but, like, that's the crazy thing. There's not only, like, is that his name, right? Elmer Bernstein? Uh, yeah, who's, like... Uh, this legendary Hollywood composer, you know, he he did the music for, um, he won an Oscar, I think, for, I want to say, like, Thoroughly Modern Millie or something like that. Oh, wow. Like, he's done some, like, you know, big stuff. But then there's this, like, great pop soundtrack as well. And there's the Ghostbusters song. And there's the Magic song during the, the, um, the montage. And it's, like, it's such an interesting example of a movie where, like, different genres of music are just constantly playing like the the score is another character in this movie oh absolutely yeah it was kind of like synthy like i love that mm-hmm. like 80s synthy like synthy vibes i i dig it and then sometimes there'd be like you know when they i think at the beginning when they're running out of the out of the library and there's that like that jazzy piano oh, kind of. yes yes <laughs> that, there's like that screaming screaming and running and there's that beat as well it's just i mean i like it, i it's probably not a coincidence that i consider like the music for this movie and peewee's big adventure to just be like oh now that's how you do a score and like these are some of the first movies i've ever seen but like those two movies are great examples of like, no, that's yeah. how you score a movie. Definitely. Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, before we go, I have to just mention what I think is the other great role in this movie. And that is Rick Moranis as Lewis. I think <laughs> yeah. he is so funny. Uh, my favorite thing about him is that I read this in the trivia that there's that scene where he's having a party and he's just kind of like making the rounds and he's like, oh, yeah, here's Barbara and Ted. Ted actually works in farm equipment or whatever. And that entire <laughs> scene is a single take and it's all improvised by Rick Moranis. I love that. Yeah. He is so, I mean, he's the neighbor I would never want to live by or, no. you know, down the hall from. And I'm sure like, you know, Dana is so nice to him, but like I would also be afraid that he would kill me. Um, yeah. But he he doesn't have any friends because he invited like all these like coworkers or something, but God bless him. God bless him. I feel like there are so many Lewises out there where it's just like, ugh, like what? So what's going to happen to you, Lewis? You know, I, I know I worry about you, but, but he has a pretty pivotal role in this movie. I mean, especially towards the end too. So it's kind of cool that he got a moment, but he couldn't ride in the car with the other people at the end. That was sad. He's oh, like, I'm I didn't... go in the Ghostbusters car, and they like shuffled him off, like the like the the I guess the like e- the people, the ambulance people, the yeah. EMT, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, I didn't even notice that. That's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's uh, I, I, it's just like yeah, what a what a nutso role. And you know, something that I also maybe just realized this time watching it was like eventually, 
because she's looking for you know the the key master or the gatekeeper and she's the key master and he's anyway Mm -hmm. they're looking for each other and eventually they find each other and then they're like there's a scene of them like splayed out like on her couch you know overlooking you know the park and i don't think i fully appreciate it they probably had some pretty wild sex yeah, the kiss is pretty hot. I mean, she goes, is that where she's like sitting with her leg up on the chair yes. too? I cackled mm-hmm. at that. That was so funny. Yeah. So I just, it was like, oh, she destroyed him. Okay. Yeah. I All think right. she, he got what he wanted, but he wasn't like Lewis in that moment. So I wonder if he, I'm not sure he enjoyed it, I guess, as yeah. whoever he was. I, I He was uh, Vince Vince something that was one of those details I was like yeah I can't remember it yeah Yeah. well in any event I'm just so glad you know uh I or I hope at the very least that Dana does not remember any of what happened uh you know yes um or maybe she does the best I don't know maybe we need to watch Ghostbusters 2 and find out I know tis the season I am gonna watch it I'm gonna watch Ghostbusters 2 this this movie was like oh you know what I want because you get more of like Sigourney as Dana, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, same characters. Yeah, yeah. And Annie Potts comes back, you know, gives him a little French bread pizza, and he's out like a light. Ugh, what more could you want? Nothing. And speaking of being out <laughs> like a light, we are being played off like a podcast. Uh, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kuchanov. How about you? Well, you can find me on All Right Mary. We are currently doing All Right Scary on the main feed. We're doing horror movies on the main feed, and we're covering Drag Race UK Season 5 on Patreon. And honestly, it's it's good. I'm having a good time. We're one episode in, nice. and... Uh, it was good to take a break from drag, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do this again. So, um, you can also find more of me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. You could find me eventually doing the Any Gay Now recap podcast, potentially with you, <laughs> unless we do the Family Stoned, which is when we get high and watch the Family Stone every week. Uh, you know, you got to put these things out there, put it out in the universe. That's right. You know, Island Counter. What was the other thing I wanted? Uh, the other thing that I bathroom. wanted. That bathroom. The that L bathroom. Shape. Yeah. The L shape. I want a dressing room. I want a smoking lounge. More importantly, yes. I want you to also find us on Instagram in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, keep your peepers peeled because we got one. And what we got is an after show. And that's coming just around the L-shaped corner where the bed is and then the bathroom's behind the dressing room. Uh, We have apparently a lot to catch up on. You've got a list of things to catch up on. I'm very excited. I've heard the rumors that there's things to talk about. We could go there. (laughs) Tell her to fuck off. Fuck off. And there's all of that and more at patreon.com slash BSA pod. It's going to be, it's 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's not one to miss. It's not one to miss. That's the phrase, right? Yeah. yeah don't I miss it. Le left my body for a second. I think I was Gozer. Yeah. Anyway, see you at Patreon, folks. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. And you'd get early access to episodes just like this. What a bonus! Uh, well, anyway, oh, I think it is time for us to get into two pre-owned, least potentially haunted Toyota Tercels named Ruth and Cheryl, and get the hell out of here. Sounds good. Okay, well, then, uh, well, we can do that. You know, we can we do can that. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, as they say, is that.